All right, welcome back to another episode of the Carter Cast. I'm your host, Carter Bond. With me, as always, Connor. It's NBA pod. It's basketball season. We're back for another week. The NBA, I said it last week, it's still kind of poopy. It's really poopy right now. I mean, you look at some of these slates of games. You got blowout here. You got the Blazers losing by 60. You've got the Celtics <laughs> resting their starters at halftime. You don't even know what you're going to get these days. I think it was the day after we recorded. I think every game had like a 30-point blowout. It was the night the Blazers got destroyed yeah. by the Thunder by 60. Yeah, well, even last night, we're recording right now, the Bucks lost by 40. Now, yeah, Giannis sat, but the Cavs were missing Garland and Mobley, and they still won by 40. <sighs> it's ridiculous. I It's it's out of control. It is. But we're not going to sit here and break down film, break down games. We're, we're oh, going to talk ball. No, we're just going to talk ball. I want to talk about the... I want to talk about Brooklyn Nets, Portland Trailblazers last night for the A block. Come on. Yeah, yeah, I was – I know, dude, the Rockets rotation. It's They're getting it dialed in eventually, but Fred, Fred Van Fleet needs to shoot more. That's all I'll say. Yeah, well, Duop Reith is a really up-and-coming center for the Portland Trailblazers, so I'm excited to see his progression as the year goes on. I, I hope I, – so rundown today. We're playing who he play for at the end of the show. You gave me one right there because <laughs> – <laughs> You gave me one right there. Um, all right, quick rundown today. We're going to talk about. We're going to. We'll get into the first segment a little bit. We don't have to tease it yet. Uh, we're going to do some All Star Break stuff. So, which team's going to make a run or fall apart after the All Star Break? It always happens. We're going to get into that. We're going to talk about Denver and Boston in the finals. Potentially, is the Clippers run legitimate or not? Uh, what's the saddest franchise in the NBA? Who do you want? Like, if you are a fan and you're picking a team, what's the last choice basically? And then, obviously, like I said, we'll play who he played for. But let's start this off. This is what I wanted to lead the show with. In a hypothetical redraft, you're sitting there. You're the Orlando Magic. You have the number one overall pick in 2022. Are you taking Paolo or Chet? I'm taking Chet Holmgren, Carter. I'm taking Chet Holmgren out of Gonzaga. That's the answer. No, it is not. I'm ta- I, I, You stick with Paolo. You stick with Paolo. Really? I don't Go think ahead. so. Why Chet? Um, I'll make a little bit of a case here. So I got a couple numbers to read off, and then I'll get into my actual thoughts. So Chet, in his first year this year, technically his rookie year because he had to sit out last year, he's got 17.5 points, 7 rebounds a game, 3 assists, averaging 2.5 blocks, 55% from the field, 40% from 3, 80% from the line. 50, 40, 80 as a rookie is pretty good for a center. He's 15th in the NBA in estimated plus minus. The only guys above him are like the top 10 guys in the league. You got Shea, Jokic, Luka, Embiid, all those guys above him. His PER this year, efficiency rating 20.9, and right now he's on his way to being top 10 in the NBA in defensive win shares, defensive rating, and defensive box score plus minus. He is killing these statistical categories. But here's my argument on top of all that. If you're the Magic, how many guys in the NBA can you realistically replace Paolo Bancaro's production with? I think if you gave some of these guys, his usage percentage right now is 30%. He's averaging 23 a game, 7 rebounds, 5 assists. He's been great. High usage percentage. How many NBA players can you give that high of a usage percentage to and get the same production, though? That's my argument. I think you can find 10, 15, 20 other guys that will give you the same production as Paolo for maybe even less of a contract, depending on how much usage you give them. So that would be my argument. You can't find many other seven foot one unicorns who can rotate like Chet can, who can come through the lane and sweep a defense, you know, save a defensive possession. You can't find too many of those in the NBA, especially in the draft. Like to hit on a guy like that and for him to stay healthy, 
I think that's unprecedented. You've got like Wemby, I mean Embiid, I guess. You know who else is their Chet? I wrote down a couple of these. Poor Zingas when he's healthy. But there's not many 7-1 guys you can trust to handle the ball, distribute the ball on offense, make a decision off the catch, and stretch the floor and space the floor for your drivers. That's my case for Chet right now. And I'll have some rebuttals, but let's see. Let's hear your initial argument. My problem with Chet is he's in the best situation in the league probably as a young guy coming in, being the guy. Because guess what? There's two, three, maybe even four other guys to take the load off of him. Paolo, it's him and Franz. That's it. And it's more so, I think, on Paolo at the end of games. And Paolo's the guy. He's the marketable player. I think he carries more weight on his shoulders. I don't think Chet. If, if it was a one-man show, Chet can't be that guy. Chet needs that team aspect. He needs the other guys to make him more successful. And I'm not taking any way, anything away from his defense. That's incredible. Like, two and a half blocks a game. I think he's averaging almost a steal a game, too. Like, he's balling yep. out. You mentioned all the defensive numbers. I don't have to repeat it. He's balling out defensively, but at the end, it, it all, I also boil it boils down to at the end of a game, who do you want with the ball? Who do you want with the ball? And Chet's not the number one guy ever on a final team. I don't know if Paolo will be that guy. I'm not going to sit here and say he can be. But I know for a fact Paolo can be the number two guy on a finals team. I do know that, and I know that is his potential. And the other thing is you have to hedge your Chet potential with the health scare. Like, it, it, is, a, it is worrisome if you're like, he's a 7-1 really skinny dude. Like, how mm-hmm. many of these guys have we seen make it in this league? Yeah, we're seeing Wemby stay healthy, even though he's getting limited every night. They're worried about it. Chet, I, I don't know if he's sustainable for 10 years. I think that's a very fair point. And the injury history, that's always going to be the case with these seven foot, you know, seven foot one, seven foot two guys. You, you know, you've seen Grego, and you've seen countless examples of careers cut short, Yao Ming, of these, you know, these seven foot guys. But the thing is, I'll counter your argument with this. I think more than Paolo, Chet will fit in anybody's system. You can be any team in the NBA, and you will need a seven foot one rim protector, run the floor. Not every team needs a ball dominant, thirty percent usage Paolo Bancaro on their team. Now the Magic do. They took him number one overall, and they use him, especially since Franz has been out. That's what they need. But you can't seamlessly slide Paolo Bancaro into any system in the NBA. It's worked out but- for the Magic. But I still think I'm redrafting. I'm taking Chet because you can take your franchise in so many different directions when you have a guy like that as your, as your defensive anchor. Yeah, I, I, I think you can find defensive anchors, though. Uh, the defense, I think you can find. But not, that get, but not that give you that offensive production. That would be my counterpoint. Not that no, stretch the floor. No, but you have to have a guy like Paolo, in this league. You just have to. You have to have that big wing who can score the ball at all three levels and dominate the game and say, give me the ball, I can go get a bucket. Like you said, there are a lot more of those guys, but I think he's doing it at such a young age right now. Mm-hmm. It, it, it only It's only going to get better. And that's the craziest part. I mean, he's averaging twenty three and seven this year and five assists. Like, it's only mm-hmm. going to get better. And his the my biggest concern was at Duke. Dude could not shoot the three. I mean, he couldn't make a three to save his life. Every time he pulled up for three, I'm like, ah, oh, crap. What are we doing here? Take it to the hole. He's shooting thirty five percent from three. Not bad. I know Chet's ball now. He's shooting like almost forty percent from three. But he also has mm-hmm. more spacing. He is not the focal point of that offense. Everything is focused on Shea. Everything is focused on Paolo. So I think it's just a completely different job. And if you're the Magic, you need Paolo. You, I don't think you need Chet as much when you're redrafting there. 
I think that's a fair point. And we, we can get into like, depending on who has number one pick, like what do the magic actually need? But just in my eyes, this is my whole basis of my argument is there's a, there's 30 guys. There's exactly 30 guys in the NBA right now, averaging 23 points a game. Paolo is 30th in the league right now at 23 points a game. I just feel like there's more of a chance of you taking a swing on a big man and missing than there is taking a swing on a number one scorer like that and missing. I feel like there's been more draft busts, big men centers, and teams run through more centers looking for that guy than they do these scoring wings. Now, I will give you the number one scoring option. Every team needs that. Every team needs a guy who you can give the ball to on the wing and say, make a play, there's five seconds left, we got to have a bucket, or the end of a shot clock, and we're down two, we need to score. And Paolo is that guy. Chet maybe is not that guy. But I just think there's too many intangibles, and Chet offers too much on the defensive end without giving up any on the offensive end at the center's position. That's why he's my pick. But I, I just I don't, don't. I just don't. I'm not saying Paolo is not a good player or anything. But I, I'm saying I don't think Chet has that same offensive production in a different team. Without, I think he's having such an off. He, he's so awesome on offense because of how good his team is around him. Fair. I don't think if the team because we saw it at Gonzaga, it was eh, I know Gonzaga college, it's different because you know a lot of these guys can be man college and coming and ball in the pros, but like when he was the focal point, you don't like it. I don't like it. But the 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 bottom line here is it's all stupid because the fit was perfect for both teams. Right. And the funniest part is we talked about this before we hit the record button. Imagine you're the Rockets right now. You're seeing Chet just dominating. Paolo's probably going to the All-Star game. Oh, my gosh, dude. Like, <laughs> Yeah, you're pissed. Like, Jabari's a fine player, but you're just like, man, we missed out. Yeah, he's Richard Lewis. Like, we all knew it, but, like, <laughs> he's Richard Lewis. We're like, his handle will get better, and you're just like, does it? Does anybody's handle in the league ever get better? Like, Jalen Brown sure done. Yeah, like, people's shots can improve. Pete, you know, maybe you can be They can bulk up. Defense. Yeah, you can bulk up. You can become a better defensive player with more effort. No one in this league becomes a better ball handler. No one. You don't sit there and running four corner drills around the court doing two moves and crap. Like, no one gets better. You, and you know what it is? You don't become a better ball handler. You just get less opportunities. So if you if all of a sudden you're averaging less turnovers, it's because you're not putting those positions anymore. The team knows you're not one of those guys. Um, the last thing I'll say on this, I think if you're building a winning team – this will be my closing arguments. It's like we're, in a, like we're in a lawsuit right now. If you're building a winning team, it's harder for you to find that center position and a guy like Chet than it is for you to hit on a scorer like Paolo with that high of a usage percentage. Because Chet's able to impact the game without having the ball in his hand so much. And I just think having that stretch five, and that because that allows them to play Josh Giddy, Lou Dort, who don't shoot as well. Even J-Dub doesn't shoot crazy numbers from three. That allows them to play all those guys because Chet can space the floor. So if you're building a winning team, I think Chet is the better option here. But if you're in, if you're the number one pick, that means you're bad. That means you have no good players on your team probably. You probably need a Palo if you're number one. All right, we got there. We got there. Yeah. It took us a um, minute, but we, we got there. Last, last thing, going into their draft, we knew, we knew what it was. We knew Palo would have the highest floor and Chet would have the highest ceiling. And that's still how I feel. What, a year and a half later? Yeah, 100%. Dude, it's crazy to think about like Jabari Smith at one. Like, what is, what is this that almost magic, happened? What is this magic franchise if Jabari Smith goes one? I think they're down there with the Pistons and the Wizards, legitimately. And the Hornets, because, <laughs> yeah, because like Franz would still be cool, but then it's like, 
Oh, well, Jabari's taking 15 shots again. I, I had another thought, too. So imagine if Chet gets drafted by the Magic. You know how awful it would be watching the Magic because their guards just wouldn't give them the ball? It's a Cole Anthony's like, no, dude, this is my team. What do you? I don't think you understand, Chet. Like, you're not getting this basketball. This is my team. I'm Cole Anthony. <laughs> Just a rotating cast of Cole Anthony and Fult taking it to the rim, and even yes. like some of the other rookie guards, like, oh, you're not touching the ball. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's, yeah, funny. that's why. That's another reason I was like, dude, Chet on the Magic. Anyhow, let's uh, let's talk about the All Star break. So All Star break coming okay. up. I think it's like a month away or so. Um, every year, every year we have this team that dramatically improves or they completely fall off. We have this hot team, kind of like the Magic this season. The Magic fell off because of you know Franz getting hurt and blah blah blah, but someone always crumbles after the all-star break. I feel like I feel like last year it was probably the Utah Jazz. They were the prime example because you know they're hot. They're like what fifth or fourth in the west going into the all-star break and then they just fell apart. Who's the team this year that's going to make that run? That Celtics like run. That's an extreme example, but who's going to just ball out there? They're sitting at you know 8 9 10 and they're standing and they're going to finish in the top 4. You know what? It's funny. This team has been a focal point of the episode already. My answer is the Orlando Magic. And you just mentioned it. They fell off because... Run. Yes, they will make a run. Oh, because they fell off. Franz goes, Franz goes down. Offense looks clunky. Paolo's usage is sky high right now. He's not used to all that. But once Franz gets back, they've got guys... Wendell Carter just got back. Gary Harris is coming back. They've got guys like... Oh, there's one more guy I had. Oh, um, Markel Fultz just got back too. So they're getting these rotational pieces back, working into these roles. Here's my reasoning. The Orlando Magic, they have the number one easiest schedule left of t- of the remaining 41 games. They have the Pistons three times, the Hornets three times, the Grizzlies oh, that, twice, they're not and the Spurs the twice. They're oh, not beating the Hornets. But they have the number one easiest schedule. They're third in defensive rating. I think the defense will smother these bad teams. I think they're a team that will put away these bad teams night after night. It's not going to be like, oh, we'll play down to the competition. It's going to be, oh, my God, the Magic just held Charlotte to 85 points. Like, the defense travels, it beats up these bad teams. It's so easy. Plus, once we get into February, March, April, the bottom three or four teams in each conference, it's so easy to just pack it in and rest guys and tank guys. It's so easy for that. So with the easiest schedule, with all those teams, I think the Magic have a good chance to take off and sneak into the top six because teams like Chicago, teams like Atlanta, there's a good chance they blow it up. Levine, DeJounte Murray, DeRozan, Vucevic, all these guys, there's a good chance they're gone by the trade deadline and they're tanking for a draft pick. So that means the Magic should propel, maybe sneak into that sixth spot. Also, the Magic, they're good at drawing fouls, third highest percentage of points from free throws. Bad teams foul a lot. That's just simple. Bad teams foul. Bad teams want to pack it in. I think the Magic will take care of business on this back half of the schedule, and they're going to be in the playoffs. Whether or not they host a playing game or get a top six seed, I don't know, but I think this is going to be a first-round team. I like that. I like that a lot because I think the Magic – it's almost like a roller coaster, you know. They were like, holy crap, we're going way up. And then, bam, they crash down a little bit. And then they're going to get back up on that hill again. I, I like that. I mean, yeah, you mentioned all the stats. Like you said, once again, I don't have to reiterate it. Um, yeah, that feels right because they are going to play hard. It's, it's, they play, they're going to have, they're going to play defense. It's just a matter of staying healthy. Can Paolo, can Franz, can mm-hmm. Holly, can Markel Fultz stay healthy? I, I like that a lot. I think they can get that six seed. And they have they have 10, 11 guys that can realistically be in an NBA rotation. I mean, they've had injuries, and they're still going sure. eight, nine, ten deep every night. And you know what else? They're a young team, and they try. They actually give effort. Jalen Suggs, every single night, he's just tenacious. I mean, he is just everywhere. 
But that's one of the best things about a team as young as this is they're not resting anybody. They're not load managing. They're going balls to the wall, full force. Let's get in the playoffs every single night's of war. And that's why I think they, like you said, roller coaster. I think they're they're on the the uprise right now. I don't hate that. What's your why answer? Do I want, why do I want to say the Lakers? Really? Why do I want to say the Lakers? I want to say the Lakers are going to make this run because we know this. We know the Lakers, Suns, or Warriors. One of those three teams is going to ball out the second half. One of those three teams is going to turn it around. They're going to you know just start winning. They're, you're going to be sitting there scrolling your phone. And you're like, wait. Warriors have won ten straight. What's going on here? The Suns are Suns have won twelve out of their last thirteen games. What's what's happening here? I think the Lakers are that team, though. I don't think LeBron wants to be in the play-in again. I think he did that battle. I think he did that song and dance. I don't think he wants to be in the play-in one more time. But the other problem I I I have with that, I think the contrary argument is when LeBron doesn't believe in a team. He doesn't try, try as hard. He doesn't go for it. He's like, I'm going to save my body for next season. I don't know if LeBron believes in this Lakers team. Do you do you actually think that? Because I feel like I've watched a decent amount of Lakers. I haven't really seen those signs yet. Because like, if you're in LeBron, how many, oh, save my body for next season, do you have left? How many next, next seasons that, are there? And that's the argument. I would pick the Lakers to make that run. That's I what like I'm it. saying. I, I think... I just worry if they come out of all-star break and somehow lose like four in a row somehow. They just randomly lose four in a row and AD rolls his ankle. They're That's done. it. They're yeah. done. At best, they get a 10 because they're going to pack it in. Cam Reddish is going to be playing way too many minutes. Christian Wood's going to be playing way too many minutes. But like the Suns, the Warriors, the Lakers, one of those teams is making a run. I know we talked about that last episode. I don't I yeah, I'm going to go Lakers. I'm going to go Lakers. I don't feel good about it though. I don't feel it's it's so hard picking this team to buy low right now. Yeah. Well, the the, the worry, the number one worry with that for me is the injuries because LeBron and AD, they've only missed like 3 or 4 games each. They're due for a month absence. AD is due to strain his hamstring or roll his ankle and miss 12 games. And if AD goes down, they go 2 and 10 in those games. I guarantee it. That yep. if AD's not there, they're a bottom 10 team in the league. Hands down, no question. That's just what it is. If you're telling me they're going to stay healthy and keep producing at this level, then yeah, you're probably right. They probably will make a run, and they have the talent to do that. If you're looking at the strength of schedule remaining, the Lakers are right in the middle, 15th hardest schedule left out of the 40 games they have left. So they're right there in the middle of the pack. It's not hard, not easy. I think you're right with LeBron, though. How many next seasons are there? He does not want to be in this play-in game. He wants to secure a spot in the playoffs. Kind of get that play-in you know, monkey off the bat because – you know what sucks? If any team comes out in the play-in game, any team can hit 25 threes in advance. It's a one game, maybe two if you're the seven seed, chance to get into the playoffs. But LeBron doesn't want to be there and leave it up to variants like that. Yeah, and he did that song and dance last time, and they ended up having to play the Suns in the first round and that whole series. Right. Like, you don't want to do that again. And But I will say, looking at it right now, Lakers are 10th in the standings right now. If the Lakers make the legitimate playoffs – and you avoid Denver in the first round, you're in a good spot. You're in a really almost, good spot. I mean, if you're LeBron and you're picking who you want to play at the top of the conference, you don't want to play the Clippers, you don't want to play the Nuggets, wouldn't love to play the Timberwolves, as good as OKC is, that might be who the Lakers want to play. Inexperience. I would I mean, want to play the Timberwolves, too. That's the, that kind of, I guess. That much experience. The Lakers do have the, the, the Lakers, Lakers do have the, the size. Lakers, yeah, the Lakers have enough size to combat that. 
those would be ugly games, like 85-89. Like, we're getting Pacers-Knicks <laughs> in the 90s kind of scores. Yeah. Mid-2000s, just gross Spurs basketball scores. Yeah, Pistons coming there, the bad boy Pistons averaging 92 oh. points a game. Yeah, yeah we're getting 75-82. Those games would blow. Yeah, I, I'll pick the Lakers. Uh, which team falls apart? This was uh, this was interesting. Team to crumble after the All-Star break. I took the Sacramento Kings. Ooh. Right now they they're sitting schedule. At, well, they're sitting at 23 and 17 right now. They're the 6th seed tied with the Pelicans. They have the third toughest strength of schedule left. They have Denver three times, Thunder twice, Boston, Minnesota, Milwaukee, Philadelphia all left to play. They're 15th in offensive rating, 17th in defensive rating, and they're 29th in opponent three-point percentage. Only ahead of the Hornets. Drum roll, please. <laughs> There's too many nights. The Kings, they blow a lead. They lost to the Charlotte Hornets at home. They should have won that game, blew it. Hornets no, came back and won have. with like no, they eight players. <laughs> well, it's somebody who bet the money line. Um, they should have won that game. They blew a 22-point lead to the Suns with eight minutes left the other night. There's there's too much variance there where this Kings team doesn't play enough defense late and they're too susceptible to these runs to where I think with the hard schedule like they have, the third toughest schedule left, in a loaded Western Conference, they could easily find themselves in the playing tournament. Dallas, Phoenix, Los Angeles Lakers, they're all lurking right behind him, waiting to take that top six seed. I think the Kings, they've had a great run. They're an exciting team. We saw them last year, but I think they're due for a little bit of a valley. They've had great injury luck. Nobody's been out for an extended period of time. They're just due for something to happen to them. Maybe not an injury, but just some kind of letdown to where it's like, ah, the Kings have lost eight of ten. Now they're in the playing tournament. That, that, that's my answer. I had two for this one. I don't think the Jazz could be considered a fall-off because they're not good enough to, like, really yeah. crumble. They're, like, ninth right now, and they finished 12th. That's not, like, a real fall-off. The two I had were the Clippers. I don't believe in – I don't – and we'll get into Really? That. We'll do the Clippers second. I want to talk about – the other one I had was the Sixers. Mm, okay. I had the Why's Sixers that? on there. Um, they are, have no depth. They have no depth. One tiny thing happens, it's over. Everything's done. Even Tobias Harris going down, like they are struggling. It's yeah. that fragile in Philadelphia right now. And the fact that they're really they're doing a great job load managing Embiid and he's dominating. Tyrese Maxey's played a l- way too many minutes, way too many minutes this season. That's gonna catch up with them by the end of the season. No legs. Those jumpers are going to be falling short. Although I will say it's Maxie's first season really playing this many minutes. Last year he was a starter, but, but you're still, right, though. Come I April mean, this, and May. Because he's he's leading the league in minutes. Him and Van Fleet, probably? Right. Yeah, they're averaging like over 37 minutes a game right now. I think that's a good answer. If you're the Sixers and you're looking at the seating right now, you know, if the season ends today, they're playing Miami in the first round. <laughs> and, yeah. You know, as, you know, as much as the Heat have been injured and banged up, that is not a series I don't think Philadelphia I would take. I would take the Heat in that series. Well, because Jimmy Butler's going to come in and just average 40. Like, that's and, one of those series yeah. where it's like he's going to just take over. You just know it in your heart. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I uh, I think the Sixers fall off. But then let's get into the Clippers part of this. This can just be a, the whole Clippers segment, as you can see. Okay. I think the Clippers fall off. I'm not, if, so before the season, we did our previews, and I said, give me Clippers win total over. I, I, I was like, this is too low for what they are. They, it's time to – this is when you buy. This is when you buy, buy, buy on the Clippers. I don't see a world where Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, and James Harden are all able to play come late March, early April. There's no way. There's no way. Let me counter that. This year, those three superstars, their usage percentage, they're all at career lows. 
Every single one of them is a career low usage percentage right now. They're not having to play 40 minutes a night and take 25 shots and guard the other team's best player. They're kind of taking the load off each other. So if there was ever a time for the Clippers to be healthy, it's this season. But are you going to take that bet? When I mean, every single year, you're like one person goes down out of out of out of whoever it is on the Clippers. One person, Kawhi, Paul George, and now James Harden coming in. James Harden's always coming in banged up to the playoffs. I'm not going to trust that. I'm not saying they're going to fall out completely and they're not going to make the playoffs kind of thing. I could see them falling to the 6-7, though. Right now they're, what, the 4? 3? Yeah, 4. 4. 4. I could see them falling to the play-in. I, I don't think that happens. I think they win enough games because they have a good enough cushion right now to, you know. But come late March, early April, I don't see how all three of those guys stay healthy. And this is just a, a fade, fade them because of health bet. They're awesome together. They're good. They're good. So if you're asking me if I'd bet on them to be healthy in the playoffs, history tells me no. And I and I would say no. It's almost like we talk about NFL with Dylan a lot, the Cowboys. You can't discount what Dak Prescott does in January. You can't discount yeah. the Cowboys choking in the playoffs every single year, no matter how good they are during the regular season, no matter how prolific their offense is, no matter how great Dak plays in the regular season, something's different in January. And every single year we think it's different, and every single year it's not. It's almost the same thing as the Clippers, to where, oh my God, they look great for a stretch in the regular season. All of a sudden, Kawhi and PG miss 10 games in a row, and somebody misses the first round series, or game two, and Kawhi turns an ankle, or Paul George strains a hamstring. And we're right back to where we started with Norman Powell taking 18 shots a game, and Terrence Mann taking 12 shots a game. It's like clockwork. Now, you said it. With them healthy, them playing together, it's been awesome. Five-man lineup, I've touched on this before. Harden, PG-13, Kawhi, Terrence Mann, Zubots. Second in net rating, second in offensive rating, fourth in defensive rating. They have been absolutely dynamite since this Harden trade. And since November 17th, which is when they moved Russell Westbrook to the bench and did all this new rotation stuff, they're 23-7. and That's the best in the NBA over the last 30 games. Paul George has career-high percentages in field goal percentage, three-point percentage, and free-throw percentage. And the usage is down for all three guys. They're not having to put in all this effort on offense. And it's not the same thing as the Brooklyn Nets to where it was like, oh, Harden, take your turn. Oh, KD, take your turn. Oh, Kyrie, here's your turn in an ISO offense. Yes, they have a slower pace, but it feels much more of like a, a like a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like flowing offense, like a free-flowing offense to where Harden's, you know, pick and roll with Zubats or Kawhi's getting on the wing and then they'll ISO form or Paul George is taking a catch and shoot three rather than taking five dribbles and hitting a step back. It just feels better watching the Clippers this year. That being said, I'm not betting on them to be healthy in come April and May. I won't do it. I've seen it too yeah. many times. I won't do it. But if they are healthy, but if they are t- healthy, yeah, this team the- is a finals contender. I think this team could hang with Denver. They have enough scorers, and I don't know if Denver has enough wing defenders to handle them. I mean, who, who's guarding all them? Aaron Gordon's taking Kawhi probably, but who's going to guard Harden? I guess KCP. But then Paul George is being guarded by Michael Porter, and it's like, eh, do we love that? I don't think so. Yeah. The buyout market's going to be interesting. The buyout market's going to be interesting for that. But, yeah, I mean, if you're the Nuggets, that's kind of the team you want to avoid. Other than that, if you're the Nuggets, I think I'd be fine playing anybody else. I think so, too. And if you're looking at rotation 1 through 10, I think the Clippers legitimately have the most talented 1 through 10 in the league because their bench is legit. Norm Powell can score 25 on any given night. Daniel Tice, Mason Plumlee, that's a pretty good backup center pairing behind Zubats. P.J. Tucker doesn't play right now, but he's a good veteran to have if you need him. They've got Amir Coffey coming off the bench and hitting some shots. I just think this team, 
they're pretty they're pretty deep. And so if one of these guys goes down, they might be able to hold their own during the regular season. So I don't know how much yep. they'd fall. I think that's fair to question them, and especially come playoff time, question the injury history. But right now, a 30-game sample size, I think it's real. I think it is real. Oh, I, I think it is too, but I, I, I'm just – I can't take them. I can't – I have to go against them as a health bet. I, I, I can't bet on them to stay healthy for an entire NBA season when I have never seen it before. And I understand you'd be like, oh, well, this is the anomaly. It's been the anomaly so far. And I understand that. I believed in this. I believed this team would be different this year. But, gosh, dude, I can't get those stains out of my head. I mean – I'm what, with you. The, when, when was the last time Kawhi was fully healthy for the playoffs? The Raptors run? It has to be the Raptors run. Even last year when he was awesome. What, he had like three awesome games and then got hurt in the yeah, first round series? Play. Yeah. You know, he, yeah. He missed like half the games. Paul think, George. Yeah, after, he's not as bad as Kawhi, but he's always banged up going to the playoffs. Or he's having to do too much because Kawhi is out. And then James Harden. We know what James Harden is in the playoffs. We've seen it every single year. Now, this would be the different year because he doesn't have to do as much. He is the third guy. It is not on him whatsoever. It is, but like You could say he was the third guy in Brooklyn, but it would have worked in Brooklyn if KD's foot was behind that freaking line. And in Brooklyn, they were all interchangeable anyways. They only Those yeah. big three only played ten games together, including the exactly. playoffs. Exactly, and, and that's what's different here. That's what's different. This is the first time the Clippers are actually playing together. And um, last, last point on this. This is not a what-if thing. Like, yes, the health bet, but this isn't like, oh, if Harden, if Kawhi, if PG can get healthy. We've seen them play together for 30, 35 games at this point. We've seen it together. They've gelled together. This isn't one of those things like the Suns right now where it's, oh, if you can get healthy for the playoffs, this will be our first time playing together in three months. Like, if they can legitimately stay healthy throughout April and May and get to the playoffs with a consistent rotation like this, I think it's going to be different. Did you see the Clippers' new stadium stuff about the wall? I did, and there's no way you can enforce that. So their rules for their their new stadium for their they're having like a student section, like the, a fan supporter section, like in soccer, right? Like behind the basket, uh, you cannot cheer for the opposing team, cannot wear opponent gear if you're sitting in the wall, and <laughs> tickets can only be resold in Clippers Marketplace. There is no way in American sports you can enforce that. No, I completely agree. One, uh, I saw it on it's Twitter. Like, I think, uh, I think maybe if they're good, you could probably enforce it, dude. If the Clippers are bad, like uh, the Clippers are bad, bad in L.A., you sell, you probably sell out most nights. It's not probably insane, mm-hmm. whatever. <laughs> if the Clippers are bad and the Knicks come to town, how many people from L.A. are wearing Knicks gear and sitting in the wall, and it's going to become the Knicks wall? Exactly, and I saw it on Twitter. I think Rob Perez is the one that tweeted it out first. You know how many YouTubers are going to be like infiltrating the LA Clippers fandom wall, and they have like Lakers gear yes. on under their Clippers sweatshirt, and then they get to their seat. All of a sudden, they rip off their sweatshirt, and yeah. then it's you know the broadcast shows it right there. Unless and you could, then what are you going to do? Kick them out? Yeah, I mean that's what I guess you kick them out. Yeah, I like oh, it. Man. I'm, I like it's it a good a concept. I, I really. I really like – if I would love Steve Ballmer as my owner. I would love it because that's all he cares about and wants them to win. So that's all you care. Like, if your owner, you're just like, all right, like, he gives an F. He all, Everything he's doing is trying to get us to win. That's it. Like, he's building a whole new arena to try and get us to win games. Like, obviously concerts and they'll make a ton of money. But, like, he could have – he didn't have to do the wall. He could have built 13 levels of suites and sold it to all these L.A. companies and tech companies for their boxes. And, no, it's – you know, for the fans, I, I love it. I think it is Steve Ballmer is, though. 
it is a weird arena, but you, you know, you're right about Steve Ballmer. He does, he maximizes the most he can in his role. He doesn't dip his toe too much in like player management and trades and stuff like that. He's not like taking over the team, but the arena, he's, you know, involved with the games. His, he shows his face on the sideline. He's into it. He is amped up every single Clippers game. And that's what you want from an owner, just to show they care and to show they're doing what they can in their role to better the team. He's opening his pocketbook, or pocketbook, he's opening his checkbook and getting, you know, Kawhi, James Harden, PG. He's going to sign all of them to extensions. That's what you want from an owner. You just want to see he cares and he's doing stuff to move the franchise forward. And, you know, some of these sadder NBA franchises we might get into, I don't think have that. Yeah, we'll, we'll get into that in a second. Real quick before we do that, I want to I wanna ask you this. We're talking about the Nuggets for a little bit, who they want to play. Uh, what percentage chance would you say that the Celtics or the or, and the Nuggets are not in the play? Or no, wait, let me rephrase that. What percentage chance would you say that neither the Nuggets or Celtics are in the NBA Finals? I would give it a thirty percent chance. Thirty. Either well, one of them not in the finals. 30? Oh, so like both. Like both of them aren't in the finals. Yes, yes, yes. I'm not, not 20. I'll say 20. 20%. I was gonna because say, I was going to say like 5, 10%. 10% so max. You think it's a lock for one of them to be in the finals? I, n- I don't necessarily think I that. I almost think it's a mortal lock one of them makes the finals. I'm more Bear, confident in Boston making the finals. Yeah, I'm more confident in Boston making the finals just because this Eastern Conference is significantly weaker. You know, I don't trust the Bucks. Yeah, they're defense. gonna sleepwalk. I, they're gonna sleepwalk to the Eastern Conference Finals, and then all you gotta do is beat the Bucks, probably. And the Bucks might fall apart before then. Yeah, we we saw that last year. Um, the 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 thing I would say is the Western Conference feels a little bit more wide open, and Denver's looked a little sluggish as of late. They just got beat by Philly. You know, and it's championship hangover. I'm not worried about them to make a run. But if you're asking me percentages, Carter, I mean, I would say 20%. There's a lot of teams that can get hot at the right time. And there's the despair, like the talent parity in this league this year is so much better than in years before. There's so many good teams that can make a run. It feels like more than, you know, ever before at this point. If the Thunder got hot and Shea averaged 35 every series, would you be that shocked if they got to the finals? What if Minnesota, like, yeah. really does make it there? Like, are you going to be shocked? Yes. Yes, I would be shocked if the Thunder or Timberwolves are in the NBA finals. I think I would be shocked. What if the Clippers stay healthy and they make that run and then Denver's gone? And then... I, I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be shocked. Hmm. I would only be shocked because they stayed healthy. I wouldn't be because of their talent or you know what talent they don't have. I would say ten. I would say five to ten percent. So Neither you really think one are in the finals? So you really think one of those teams will be there? Yeah, I think it's almost a lock. I mean, those are my two. If you're asking me to pick one team from every conference from each conference to make it, you those are my two teams. Them. Yeah, those are my yeah. two teams right now. Yeah, that's what I thought. Um, yeah, yeah I'm still 20% though. Talent disparity in the league, I'm telling you. Don't sleep on some of these teams. Um, the other thing I want to ask, we talked about the status franchises. So let's say let's say as Hornets fans, we're, we say we're not Hornets fans all of a sudden. We're in the transfer portal. We get to pick – we, we have to pick a team to be a fan of. What would be the worst team to become an NBA fan of? Without a doubt, and I'm not just saying this because – this is our team, the Charlotte Hornets, and I have the numbers to back it up. The number one stat I wanted to bring you, Carter, of all 30 NBA teams, the Charlotte Hornets are the only franchise to have zero NBA titles, zero conference titles, and zero division titles. Every single other team at least has a division title. And those don't and, mean much, but it shows how much you're winning. 
and we've never made the Eastern Conference Finals. Exactly. Exactly. The Hornets have the fifth worst winning percentage in NBA history. Here are the teams below them, though. Memphis, Brooklyn, Clippers, Timberwolves. The Clippers and the T-Wolves will both be top three seeds this year, so they're looking up. Memphis had the grit and grind era. They were in the playoffs. They had good, fun teams and deep playoff runs. You, and yep. Brooklyn had the Brooklyn had the KD, Harden, Kyrie big three, and they had the Darren Williams, Joe Johnson, Pierce, KG, and Brooke Lopez teams that went into the final or the playoffs. And, like and, at least they had some fun. And if you're older, you you have a little bit of history because like they made the finals with Vince Carter and the Nets and Jason Kidd, right? Kenny Martin. Like, yeah, I thought the Nets were a sneaky one where you're like, man, being a Nets fan would be bleak because you are number two in that town, a fat number two. You're not even close to one in that town, and your team is okay. okay. That would have been my they're, my second answer to the Nets. They, I mean, they have some assets, but they're semi in no man's land. I would say for like right now specifically, if you don't consider the history of a team, I would say it's the Bulls. Really? Dude, being a Bulls fan would blow right now. You are in complete no man's land. You are capped out your tits. Like, you can't do anything. You can't do anything. You have to get rid of these players at 70%, 50% for a Vucevic. Like, you're, what are they going to do? Wanting the, Hawks your team- is, the Hawks is a sneaky one, too. Sorry, that just popped in my head. No, you're good. Wanting your team to be bad and begging for your team to trade your guys away to tank is a, is a pretty terrible spot to be in. That's how you can judge being a fan of an NBA team, whenever you're at the point to where it's like, all right, time to tear it down, trade our best players, get off this salary, dump this salary right now, let's get a good draft pick. That's a pretty, pretty bleak spot to be as an NBA fan. And so I think, you know, if you're just talking about right now in this moment in history, not talking about the Michael Jordan years, yeah, Bulls is a pretty good answer. Yeah, I the Hawks is a sneaky one, but they had they were in one seed. Like, they were in the mix. Um they, like and you would forever everyone be like oh the Kings but like the Kings had those runs with Chris Webber like they you know they should have arguably been in the finals and won the finals like mm. they've had those runs the Hornets have never had anything like that I mean especially well, especially yeah. the last two decades well if you're looking at a combination of how it is right now plus the history of the team I mean you look at the the bottom of the conference right now Detroit they had the bad boy Pistons era they won championships Houston had Hakeem and Clyde Drexler like that's been a pretty bleak franchise but they have the history the Blazers had Bill Walton Clyde Drexler they also had the Lamar Saldridge Damian Lillard Batum years yeah they have a championship right and but if you're looking at the bottom of the standings like Spurs they were good for you know three decades in a row they made the playoffs every year there is no team in the NBA right now that has a more bleak outlook than the Charlotte Hornets based on how they are right now and the team's franchise history. It, it's just a perfect combination, a perfect pairing. Because I mentioned how the Bulls are in no man's land. The Hornets are in a worse no man's land because they're not going to make the play-in. Like, at least you get one fun play-in game if you're a Bulls fan. We're mm. not even going to make the play-in. We're not going to be bad enough to get the number one pick. This draft is awful. I mean, I watch college basketball every single night. This draft mm. stinks. Stinks like rotten eggs. A European guy is going to pop up and be the number one pick because there is no one in college basketball that is worthy of being a number one pick right now. And the Hornets are going to get what, like the fifth pick, the sixth pick. Yeah, and but the, you're yeah. Si- yeah, you're getting your fifth, sixth, seventh pick, and you know Lamelo can't stay healthy. Your star player you signed to a crazy extension. Brandon Miller looks good, but nobody can stay healthy. Don't have a good coach. We don't have to say it a thousand times. We've done it, done Hornets minute a million times, but I think the Hornets are, is the right answer. I think it's the saddest and bleakest fr- franchise to be a fan of. And just 
they haven't had the historic draft busts like Anthony Bennett or Kwame Brown, but they consistently miss out in the lottery. It feels like yep. you're just stuck in this rut to where you're not bad enough to consistently get the top three pick, but it's like, oh, yay, we have the ninth or the 11th pick again. What are we going to do this year? Are we going to draft Frank Kaminsky? Are we going to draft Noah Vonley? It feels like the odds of Charlotte actually hitting on a draft pick, besides the last couple of years with LaMelo and Mark Williams and Brandon Miller have been good. But before that, the majority of my fandom, it feels like they can't hit a draft pick. They can't get one right. And that's just an awful spot to be in as a or fan. Like, or you're not even excited. One. Yeah, they'll yeah. semi-hit one like a Miles Bridges. We're like, yay. Like, yeah, or it's like, Cody Zeller's, it's like Cody Zeller's been a role player in the league for a while. I guess he was a good pick. Oh, wait, he was fourth. Yeah, so you're just... Yeah. It's pretty, I mean, it sucks, right dude. Answer. It is the right answer, as much as I hate to say it. All right. I'm excited for this. It's time. This is how we're going to close the show. We're blatantly copying TNT. That's just what it is. We're going to we're gonna do our own version. Um, I'll, I'll start off predictions going into this. I'm going to give myself – you have six for me. You have six players you're going to name. Okay, so I wrote down eight. So how, how long okay, do you, you wrote want to go? Eight. I'll give you all eight. We, we can do eight. I have one, two, three, four, five. I have seven. Okay. I have seven I'm going to name. Um, the ones you're going to give me, I'm going to say I get max two. I think I get one out of eight. Really? No, dude, you'll get some of these. Come on. All right. All right. Um, well, you, you, you got seven for me? I think I get six out of seven. I think you get all seven. Okay, <clears throat> I think you get all seven. Okay. I'm looking at this list right now. So if you if you don't watch NBA TNT or if you don't watch, if, I don't know, if you're listening to this podcast and you've ever seen TNT inside the NBA, you're crazy. But you just we're going to name a player. So example would be uh, Ish Smith, who he play for, and you, and that's actually a great one for a TNT. Like that, <laughs> he's got to be an all timer. And you're like, oh, the Hornets, ding ding ding. So uh, it's that simple. It's that simple. Um, do you want me to read mine first? So, not you want to go? Let me go first. No, I'm saying like I I will like, you, like, I guess uh, you say the player and I guess like okay, go yeah, first. Yeah. Okay. All, all right. right. All right. You ready? It's all right. Who do you play for? Give it to me. We're we're gonna start off with a couple names you probably know. Jeff Green. Where is he? He's got a. Come on. He's a rocket no. right now, right? Yep. There you go. One okay. for one. All right. There Let's you go. go. Let's go. Um, I, I knew he was back with Udoka. I knew that. Let's go Goga Batazde. Batazde. The f- who the hell is that? Come on. Um, you know Goga Batazde. Center. I think he's from Georgia, like the, the country of Georgia. I'm pretty sure. Come is on. Is he a two-way guy? No, 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 no. He's started like the last 15 games for this team. 15 games? So their center yeah. must have been hurt? Mm-hmm. The Spurs? The Orlando Magic. Oh, gosh. I was studying rosters earlier. Gosh. All right. Give me another yep. one. Um, Mike Muscala. <laughs> Dude, this is hard. This is Holy great. Holy crap. I feel like Charles Barkley right now. Uh, Mike Muscala, he currently plays for the Pistons? Ding, ding, ding. He just got traded. He was in the Marvin Bagley trade. The big, big hit there. All right, let's get hard. Pause. Uh, (laughs) All right, I'm going to completely screw up the pronunciation of this. Ibu Badgie. 
Baji. Ibu Baji. Ibu what? Ibu Baji. B A D J I. I feel like I know this one. You should. He's in the summer league. Spurs. Trailblazers. Ah, uh, I knew. I knew that. Mm-hmm. I knew that. I knew. All that. right, four. All right. You're halfway through. You're two for four. Here's a couple names you'll know. Damian Jones, the center. Oh gosh, I have no idea where he's at. I have really? no clue. Um, F it, Cavs. <laughs> it is. <laughs> Let's go. You're getting so lucky. This is ridiculous. He, he, felt, he felt like a Cav to me. He is a Cav. Um, all right, Juan Toscano Anderson, recently picked up. JTA. Signed ah, mid-season dude. to this team. Dude, I don't know. Sixers. Kings. Okay. No, I'm fine. I'm fine losing you're, that one. You're 50%. You're three for six. All right, last two here. Seth Lundy. Seth Lundy? That sounds like a like a mid-2000s Virginia basketball player. Seth Lundy? I think he's a rookie this year. Seth Lundy. Or second-year guy. He's young. Seth Lundy. Seth Lundy. Wizards? The Atlanta Hawks. Yeah, I wouldn't have gotten that. I wouldn't have gotten That's that. That's all right. All right, last one. All right, last you one. need let's this one to go 50%. 50%. Yeah, let's go yep. 500. Come on. I'm Jeff Fisher, baby. Let's do this. This guy was recently picked up. Dylan Windler. Dylan Windler? That's a real player? Oh, you know Dylan Windler. Come on. Oh, yeah, dude. I have so much Dylan <laughs> Windler rookie card stock. It's crazy. Yeah. Uh. Don't tell me... You can tell me if I'm wrong on my first guess, but I, I want a hint for this. I'm going to take two guesses. Give me a hint if I get the first one wrong. Okay. Dylan Windler sounds like he plays for the Pacers? Wrong. So the, the hint would be we talked about this team on the episode some today. Not a lot, but some. Thunder? This is tough. Mm, the Lakers. The Lakers, yeah, no, they just, they just picked that. him up. They just picked him up. Three for eight. Dylan Windler does not sound like a Laker. They just picked up him and uh, Skyler Mays off the off the free agency pool. Oh man! All right, all right. It's, you're gonna kill this. You're, it, it's I time. Think you'll get, I think I think you'll get all of them. I put a two way guy in there. By the way, good. So all I right, like here it. We I'm go. ready. I'm ready. Who do you play for? Let's start off with an easy one. Joe Ingles. The Orlando Magic. Yeah, easy enough. Trendon Watford. The Brooklyn Nets. All right, we're going to breeze through this. David Roddy. The Memphis Grizzlies. Luka Simonich. The Utah Jazz. Blake Wesley. The San Antonio Spurs. Isaiah Wong. This is where you're going to get me. (laughs) This is the two-way guy. This is the two I know, Miami guy. Where did he go? Where did he go out of college? Who drafted him? You're going to get so mad. I should know this. Isaiah Wong. He's probably played, what, like maybe two games this year? Three, two, one. Clippers. He seems like a Clipper. That's what I thought, too. But his college teammate Jordan Miller is a Clipper. Damn. Yep. That's why I thought that, too. Grizzlies? Pacer. Oh. Pacer. I should have known that. All right. Ryan Rollins. Oh, that's easy, Warriors. No. 
Wait, no, Wizards. Wizards. He, he was on the Warriors last year. He's on the Warriors last year, and he's on the Wizards this year. That's Where did Ryan Rollins play college ball? No idea. Nevada? I don't know. Toledo. I think he played at Toledo. He was Toledo. He was okay. nice at Toledo. That was um, fun. We Next week, let's do play, uh, college players. Like, where'd they play? Oh, I like too that. too hard, but, like, we, I think it's more, just, you know, like. You'll oh, be me in that. Where did Trendon Watford play? You're like, oh, LSU. You'll see. You'll be me in that. Not, I'm yeah, not but, very good at that. Yeah, but I, I think that'll be a good. We we won't do super hard because like, I, yeah. All right, that was nice though. I, that was fun. The Ryan Rollins one. I'll give you that one. I'll give you okay. that one. But yeah, thank you. That was good. Isaiah Wong was a tough one. I'm proud of myself. Three of eight was insane. I gave you some hard ones, but they were names you know. It's just like random like guys that have been on prominent teams, but now they're just, oh just like, gosh. where are you? Yeah, That's I good. Mike Muscala. I was pumped about. I was like, dude, if I I, I can't believe I you got, got that. Oh, man, that was great. But, all right, that's it from us. Uh, make sure to subscribe at, at CarterCast on YouTube, uh, Twitter, if you're watching on the live stream right now. Subscribe, follow, do what you got to do. Uh, subscribe on Spotify, Apple. We'll be back next week, NFL. Uh, we're going to be previewing AFC, NFC title games, which sucks. Football's almost done. Like, this stinks. I know. But if you didn't listen, Winding go back down. and check out our NFL previews. Uh, also, check out the College Basketball Podcast. That'll be out as a part two to this, so it'll be a separate episode. Uh, follow at Carter BA, at Connor underscore Sparrow, at CarterCast once again on all social media. We'll be back next week with the basketball pods as well and the NFL. And anything else before we go? Um, you know, hopefully we get some good NBA games. Hopefully the regular season heats up. Tired of these Maybe. blowouts. Maybe. I mean, fun, it's January, fun talking hoops. NBA. Fun talking hoops, yeah. though. Hope the Hornets get healthy. All right, that's it. Uh, we'll see y'all next time. Bye.